Hello, welcome to Spiritually Fed. My name is Bree Marshall. I am a wife, mother, a runner, baker, and I am so glad you are here with me today. Here, I love to share my personal life and spiritual experiences to connect and relate with you. I am hoping that you find spiritual moments and love. Let's share our experiences together. Hello, my friends. I hope you're doing well. I'm very grateful to get on and speak with you guys today. I will be interviewing and speaking with my Aunt Wanda. She is going to be sharing um, an experience she had where she was abducted and raped. So I want to have a disclaimer for any of you that will be listening. This is a very delicate topic and we are taking it very seriously. I, I would advise not listening to this around any children. Um, this is, we spoke, prayed before um, getting on and sharing what we did. And we were definitely driven by the spirit and what we were talking about together. But I wanted to let you know there are things on this topic that will be very detailed about what she experienced. She experienced something very traumatic and I know all of you will be compassionate and loving. So I wanted to leave that out there and I hope that you're able to enjoy what is presented during this topic. She is an amazing, strong woman and it makes me love and want to love and have more compassion for everyone and those that are dealing with something that they have to heal very from something very difficult. So I hope you enjoy and talk to you guys later. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome my aunt Wanda with me today. I am so grateful that she has agreed to get on and talk about an experience of hers that will be so heartwarming and I feel very fulfilling for many of us and I just feel very grateful and humbled by her willingness to communicate with me and share her story and journey but before we get into that I I do want to share her experience is a delicate topic and I would like to think for many of us it, it is and this segment what this episode will probably be broken up to give us some more clarity and different discussions that her and I will be having. And this one today will mostly be about her experience that she'll be sharing. But before we get into that, Wanda, do you want to say hello? Hi, Brianna. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm delighted to be with you and appreciate the opportunity to share my experience and how it has spiritually affected my life and how it has helped me grow closer to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I am so, so grateful to have you on. She is a warrior, everyone. She, ever since I was a little girl, I have seen my aunt 
as a woman that has like the strength of lions. Like she loves each individual individual so very well and her spirit just shines outside of her and this experience she is going to share with us elevates more of what I have seen in her since I was a child and as she'll be discussing with us today she'll be discusses discussing the topic of healing through her experience and the healing that attributes to this experience so I'll just go ahead and give a brief introduction. I don't, what she'll be sharing, she obviously knows way more, but I'm just sharing the surface a little bit here. Wanda um, it lives in Virginia right now, and she is a victim of both childhood sexual abuse and adult abuse. Uh, she was a part of, or not a part of, she was a, a a victim of a violent crime of abduction and rape as an adult. And she will be sharing a message of healing and wholesomeness due to an increasing need for more involvement and public awareness through her and speaking engagements and things like this that she'll be doing with us today. And she has spoken to hundreds at conferences, seminars, She's been viewed by millions. She's been on shows like Glenn, Black, Glenn Beck's The Blaze and CW's Ricky Lake Show, ABC's Nancy Glass Show, NBC's Caroline and Marilyn Show, Save Our Streets hosted by Tim Reed, WRVA's talk show and answers. And she attributes her growth and happiness by serving. And she has given so much through this process of healing. And I believe her and what she's going to be speaking will just speak volumes. I love her so much, and I'm grateful for her willingness to share. And I hope this topic of healing will engage our hearts and our spirit. So go ahead, Wanda. I would like to just hear whatever you feel compelled to share. I'm just very grateful to have you on and let me know what I can do to help you out. <laughs> Thank so, you, Brianna. Yeah. So, Brianna, let's start with, uh, we're going to go back to March the 25th, 1993. Okay. And that is what I consider one of the worst days, but yet one of the best days of my life. It was the day that I was abducted by a convicted felon and raped multiple times. I had left my home the day before to travel to business meetings out of town I checked into the same hotel every month, so they were familiar with me. Uh, that morning prior to my meetings, I had decided to take a jog. It was about 5.30 in the morning. Typically, I would jog with one of my colleagues because we would travel together out of town for our meetings. But this particular time, he had called me and said he wasn't going to be coming up until the following day and that I would have to go alone. Well, I debated several times whether or not to pack my running gear because being a woman I knew never run alone especially when you're out of town uh, but I pulled put that running gear in my suitcase I took it out I put it back in I did this three times the mm. night before that morning I got up at five o'clock uh, usually got up between 4 45 and 5 a.m my entire life uh, so I Left the hotel, decided to go take a run. I looked at the temperature. It was a drizzly, drizzly morning. It was spring. 
and it was about 55 degrees. So I started out in the hotel, and when I got down to the lobby, there was a woman setting up the breakfast bar for all of the business travelers. So I said to her, I said, you mind if I leave my jacket here? I don't think I'm going to need it. It doesn't appear to be that cold. And I had left my gym ID in the pocket of it. Hmm. And I left and went for a jog. Unfortunately, I didn't return from that jog. Hmm. I got about two miles into my run and uh, I heard something behind me. And ironically enough, I had just turned the corner where my offices were. And I could hear the employees that were on the docks loading the trucks. I worked for a Fortune 500 company, a food service distributor in in this nation. And they were loading the docks to leave from all the deliveries that day. And I could hear them. Unfortunately, nothing could be seen outside the docks because the trucks back up flush to it. Mm -hmm. I was right in front of my employer's offices when I turned and looked over my shoulder and there was a man running for me full speed, Mm. I immediately turned my head and kept running. But I knew in my heart of hearts that I was never going to get away. Mm. So in about less than 30 seconds later, he just swooped down over me, put me in a headlock and put a knife in my throat. Immediately, I said to myself, okay, Wanda, this is really happening. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he's screaming and yelling at me, you know, come on, we're going this way. If you say anything, I'll cut you. And uh, so he turned me around and we headed about, I guess, uh, less than 100 yards into a thicket of woods. And we got deep into that thicket of woods and he threw me down onto the ground Uh, put a rope through my mouth, around my neck, and my arms behind my head and tied me uh, to where my head was pulled straight up. He threw me down to the ground and uh, repeatedly raped me. Mm. At that point, we left that scene. He started dressing me and uh, putting my clothes on me, except for he took my shoestrings out of my shoes. And so we started through the woods and we got to this big area of briars and it was like a mountain of them, a small hill of briars. And we started climbing up them. And when we got towards the top, I fell through the patch of briars and my shoes came off. And little did I know I was in a, a pile of old tires from vehicles that had been thrown in there, but the the woods had grown over them. The, there were wow. branches, there was briars, there was all kinds of greenery. You couldn't see the tires. So he yanks me up out of there. And of course, one of my shoes was down in there. And I said, I can't move. I, I said, I can't go. I can't go on my shoe, my shoe. And he let me get my shoe. And he started uh, pulling me and we got over the briars and we traveled a little more distance into the woods, a little deeper, and uh, he threw me down on the ground. And Mm. we started talking. I started engaging him in conversation. Mm. And he then proceeded to take my shoestrings, his belt, 
and he pulled up his shirt and he had duct tape, electrical tape, I should say. That's a lot thicker. Uh, and he had a rope and he tied me into five trees like an animal hide. Mm. And he stretched me out. And then he looked down on me and he said, I'm going to leave you now and I'm going to go get some things and I'll be back. And he says, you know, if you scream or if you yell, I'm going to have to kill you. Hmm. And he had me, he had a rope through my mouth and my head and neck were tied to one tree. And of course, my arms were stretched out and my legs were spread eagle and I couldn't do a thing. So I heard him walking away. I could hear everything. I could hear his footsteps breaking the branches and leaves on the floor, the bed of the forest there. And so I just listened. And in my heart, my mind just said, don't do a thing. Don't move. Don't say a word. Don't do a thing. Just stay still. Just stay still. So I stayed still. And just waited and waited until I felt it was okay to move. So naturally, you want to free yourself. Yeah. You're trapped. You want to do anything you can to help yourself. Mm -hmm. So I tried turning my face and my head left to right to see if I could loosen the rope. Uh, It was so tight it was depressing my tongue and I could hardly swallow. And Mm -hmm. it was cutting the sides of my mouth. And... The ropes around my wrist were so tight, and they he tied knots that were designed to get tighter if I pulled on them. And so I wrapped, I stretched my fingers as hard as I could, and stretched and wrapped around those those ropes to see if I could get any slack in them or any any give whatsoever uh, to get my wrist free. I couldn't do it. Of course, the rope was too thick. You think, can you chew through a rope? And there was no way I, I couldn't chew through that rope, not to mention the way he had it tied across my mouth. Mm. And I couldn't get my legs free, so I lie there. And this is not 30 minutes later from the time he had abducted me. This is, we're, we're two hours into this now or more. Mm. And I just looked up at the sky and I could smell bacon cooking. There was a house not far away. I could hear the sounds of life all around me. I could hear traffic from a distance. And I knew that everything was going on. Everybody was going on about their morning. And I was laying there and I said, no one knows I'm laying here. No one knows where I am. And I said, Heavenly Father, did I see my family last night and speak to most of my family members because I'm to die today. Mm. And this one tear, one solitary tear ran out of the corner of my eye and it ran down my face into my ear. It just felt so pronounced. It was the only time I got emotional during that day that I spent with him. And the night before, I had driven into Richmond and something said when I was on the highway, go to your parents' house. My parents live in Richmond. And they were about 45 minutes north of where I was going to be for my meetings. 
And I said, I don't want to go to my parents tonight. I just don't want to make the trip all the way up there. I'd like to get settled in my hotel because I left my hometown or the city where I was living after work. So I was driving late anyway. Mm. For some reason, I couldn't get off the highway. It was like the car was taking me to my parents and me unable to control it. So I showed up at my parents. Uh, it was quite late. Uh, and they were just getting ready to sit down to dinner. It's like 7.30, quarter to 8. And I, and I walked in the door and they didn't expect me, didn't know I was coming. And my brother, who had just returned home from a mission for the church, was there. Uh, and my parents and one of my sisters. And I said, Oh, I said, what's this big Sunday meal for? Hmm. They said, oh, we decided we'd break our fast and celebrate with a big meal, break our fast for you. I had called my family uh, a couple days before and asked everybody to fast for me because I was going in uh, to these business meetings uh, and I was up for another promotion and also I was working with my bishop to get myself back into church because I was an inactive member of the church at the time. Mm. And I was very close to completing my probationary period. And I was trying to make sure that this time it was a take because I had tried to come back to church two times before and be an active member. And I had almost made it but didn't so mm. i thought the third time's a charm so i had asked mm. everybody to fast for me mm. so they said well please come join us and sit down because i hadn't eaten because i was still fasting and i hadn't broken my fast because i just got on the road to come mm. to richmond mm. so we sat down and we had dinner and prior to my leaving I asked my father and my brother to give me a blessing because of the interview that I was going to be having the next day with the bosses. And they gave me the blessing and uh, was saying my goodbyes and my parents asked me to please stay. Mm. And I didn't want to stay with my parents. I was trying to overcome some emotional damage that had happened prior in my life and wasn't comfortable staying there. It was easier for me to stay in a hotel. So I said, no, 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 I don't, I don't really want to stay. Um, I'll, it'll be easier for me to just stay in the hotel. I can get up and shower. I won't inconvenience anybody that's got to go to work here tomorrow and up, uh, interrupt y'all's morning routine. It'll just be easier. And plus my meetings are downstairs in the conference room in the hotel. So I started out the door again, and my parents said, I wish you'd really, we really wish you would stay, Wanda. Please stay with us tonight. You won't interrupt anything in the morning. And I said, no, no, I'm going on. Mm. I'm telling you a lot of details because you'll understand it later. No, I'm grateful for them. It's, it's giving a visual as well. So. so I left my parents' house. And, of course, I went to my hotel, checked in. Again, they're very familiar with me there. So got into my room and went to bed, got up, got ready for my jog. 
and never returned, as I said. Mm. So when, after I laid in the woods for, I think it was about hour and a half, almost two hours, my body, my body, because the muscles were so fatigued because of being stretched out into those five trees, I was just trembling. Mm. So the perpetrator returned and I just begged him to untie me because I could hardly breathe mm. uh, because of the rope in my mouth and I had just become real stuffy and being in the rain and uh, in the wet. So he untied me. But he had his arms full of, uh, he had a bag, he had a drink, he had a blanket, he had some clothes. I don't know where he got it all, but he laid the blanket out in the woods as if we were going to have a picnic. And mm. uh, he handed me a drink and a sandwich that he had picked up for me. I didn't see the other things he had till later. So we sat down and... This is going to get a little graphic. Um, we sat mm -hmm. down and I immediately asked him if I could, if he would untie me and give me some slack in the rope because I really needed to use the bathroom. Not mm -hmm. uncommon that your body would react to such trauma. Yeah. So uh, he said, you know, you, you know, I don't, I don't need to let go. I've seen everything you had. Go ahead and do it right here. And I said, well, no, I said, I don't think you really want me to do it right here. I said it would be unpleasant for us. Yeah. And so he gave me some slack in the rope and I moved away. And he says, well, I don't have anything for you to use to wipe. I said, I'll use the wrapper here. No problem. Little did I know all these things would come into play later. Hmm. Uh, just instinctual on my part. So I uh, excused myself, uh, relieved myself and came back over to the blanket and we just started talking uh, and he started telling me about uh, his girlfriend and that he had to do this to me. Uh, I would never have given it to him. Um, he was very, a very unhappy and angry young man, obviously. Mm. And so I kept the conversation going and I took the smallest bites I could into that sandwich and the smallest sips I could, I was going to make that sandwich and that drink and that conversation last as long as I could. Yeah. Because at that point he was not escalated. Yeah. So we engaged in quite a bit of conversation and I got to know a lot about him. I asked him a lot of things about himself. Uh, fortunately for me, I was in a profession where it was my job to do all I could to learn about people and their businesses because that's how I could help them and that's how I could make a living with them. So it was not uncommon for me to interview people and to have them talk about themselves. I was very comfortable in that arena. Hmm. And so I continued to engage with him about his life and learned quite a bit about him and failed relationships uh, him being tossed around and abused as a child, being in foster homes, being at home, um, and just being treated very poorly. So time goes by and uh, conversation starts to slow down. And he asked me, he says, well, 
can we make love? That's how deluded he was about the whole situation. And I said, well, no, I said, there'll be plenty of time for that later. Cause he had asked me, could I be his girlfriend dude? Did he think I could fall in love with him? Even though he had done this to me, asked yeah. me, did I ever see any TV shows where the uh, victim had fallen in love, fallen in love with the perpetrator? Mm. And of mm. course I had not seen any of those TV shows, but I said, oh yeah, 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 sure. And I agreed with him and I said, There'll be plenty of time for that later. Right now, it's a good time for us just to get to know each other because mm -hmm. I didn't want to be raped again. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, that wasn't where he was. Yeah. And uh, so he raped me a couple more times. It was a total of five times he raped me. And uh, other things and yeah. uh, that I won't mention. And, uh, so after that, he started to dress me and he says, do you think we could meet again? He says, could we have dinner and could we go out? Could you meet me tomorrow for breakfast and so forth? And I said, well, you know, it's getting really late. You know, some people are going to expect me at home. Uh, I'm going to, they're going to suspect me for being missing. He said, well, where do you live? And of course I remembered one of the streets I had jogged through. So I said, I live over in the neighborhood so-and-so on this street. And he says, I used to live near there. And he says, I know exactly where you're talking about. Of course mm. I didn't. Mm. And uh, so fortunately for me, I told him and he said, uh, I said, but uh, you know, there was only one one lie I told him and that was where I lived and that I had a, a family that would be missing me. And, mm -hmm. uh, I said, perhaps, uh, you know, my husband's going to wonder why I didn't come back from my jog sooner. And, uh, you know, he's used to me jogging in the morning, but he'll wonder where I am and why I haven't come back. And he says, well, you give me your phone number. And so I gave him my voicemail number and, uh, to my work. And he said, you know, you better not be lying to me because I'm going to, I'm going to try the number and, uh, ask me would I meet him for breakfast the next morning. And I thought, yes, I agreed to many things. And, uh, and he started dressing me and he started, uh, putting, uh, my shoes and my clothes back on me. And so I reached over and grabbed his shoes and started putting his shoelaces in his shoes and getting his shoes ready. He goes, you don't have to do that. I said, I said, it's okay. I'm just trying to be nice and help out. You know, I want to help you too, cause you're helping me. Mm. And one of the things that, uh, I said to him, uh, when he was, uh, talking to me, he says, you, you have no idea who I am and you don't know what I'm like. And you don't know why I had to do this to you, but I had to do this to you. And I said, you're right, I don't know you, but I do know one thing about you, and that's that you're a son of God, mm. and you're loved by your Heavenly Father. Mm. And the fact that I saw him was the thing that saved me. Mm. I saw him as a per person. It disengaged him. It calmed him down. It helped him to be kind to me when he really didn't want to be kind to me. Yeah. So we got dressed. 
he had a hold of me very tight and we started out of the woods and when we started out of the woods we came upon this very uh swampy area uh the water was very deep and uh and i looked at it and he looked at it and i said i really don't want to go through this water i said i don't want to go through this water can't we turn around and go back he says it's too far back the other way so how about we just cut over here you know um I, I earned his trust. I mean, the conversations we had uh, because I engaged him in his life and cared about him and showed care about him had gained his trust. Yeah. And so um, we started out, we came up to the swamp. I said, I don't want to go there. So we walked around another way and we found another way out. And we got on the road that was next to it was the road that wasn't far from my office buildings. And we started walking up the street. And I saw one of my employees coming down the road in his car. I recognized his car. Of course, at that point, I was a mess. My hair was matted. Uh, mm. I was wet. He had put other clothes on me that he had brought to the site. We left uh, the blanket there. We left uh, the litter there from what I ate. Um, and so I looked very intently in my employee's eyes as he drove by me and I could see he looked at me and we felt something, you know how you feel a connection when you look yeah. into someone's eyes. Yes. And I thought to myself in my head, I said, please recognize me, please recognize me. Cause he had a hold of me so tight. I couldn't get away from him. And, yes. uh, it was almost like he was propping me up. And so we walked, I guess, about a quarter of a mile up to a main road. And uh, we turned the corner. And the next thing I know, somebody's yelling at us. And at this point, there are some local businesses around. And uh, this person kept yelling and kept yelling. Finally, I said, you know, I, I turned and looked. I said, this man's yelling for you. And so he turned around and the guy said, you dropped one of your shirts. And he was carrying a shirt an extra shirt that he had. And so he says, oh, I don't care about it. He just waved his arms. And so we go about another, I guess, uh, 50 feet, 50, 100 feet. And I said, you know, I said, well, this is a good place for us to separate so that I can just go on there to my house and go down that road. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, he says, well, how about we meet? Uh, and he pointed pointed out a restaurant that was down the road another mile or two. And I said, yeah, I know exactly where you're talking about. And he says, why don't we meet at 6 a.m.? And I said, that will be fine. I said, no problem. We can meet there tomorrow morning. Uh, instead of me going for my jog, I'll just meet you over there. And he says, but I want to walk you all the way home. And I said, well, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, if you walk me home and my husband's still there, then, you know, that's not going to go over too well and uh and he'll wonder why you're there and why I'm with him he says oh I can handle that and I said well let's just not cause any conflict so he let go of me and when he let go of me I jumped in the middle of the highway on the medium where cars were coming because mm. I that way he couldn't drag me back off the road with cars coming both ways so I ran and got in the medium and took off running mm. and I ran a mile back to my hotel when I got to the hotel, 
uh, I noticed when I was coming up on the hotel parking lot, there were police cars all over the parking lot. And mm. uh, my colleague saw me coming down the drive into the hotel and he ran out and he scooped me up. And I guess I was in shock because all I could say is I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. And this is in the afternoon now. Yeah. from 5.30 in the morning. And uh, he said, and he's just carrying me in his arms, and he's about 6'3". He was a big guy. And, and he's carrying me, and he carries me to the hotel doors, and they're going, take her in here, take her in here, put her down, put her down, everything on her's evidence. And uh, he's, he was crying the whole time he's carrying me, and I'm saying, I'm alive, I'm alive. He just burst out crying. And he says, my Wanda, my Wanda, my Wanda because we had been friends for years. He and his wife mm. and I were friends. And, and uh, so he puts me down. And, of course, they said, everything's on her is evidence. Everybody back up. And uh, mm. all of a sudden, the chatter starts, and a detective comes over to me. And, and I hear my colleague saying, call so-and-so at the office, get her to pull Wander's file, get a hold of her family you know, and et cetera, et cetera. And so all the commotion starts around me and the detective comes over and, and he says, uh, Miss Mills, he says, uh, he says, we're going to ask you several questions. And he says, we don't want anybody touching you because everything on you is evidence. Um, but he says, uh, we can either do all the questioning now and take you to the hospital I mean, he says, we can take you to the hospital now and we can do the questioning later or you can take us back to the scene and show us where everything happened. He says, and I can tell you this, he says, the more information we have, the more, the quicker we'll be able to, to catch him. Mm. He's, so you make up your mind, you do what you think you can handle. He says, but if you help us out, uh, chances are we can catch him and uh, get him off of the streets. And mm -hmm. I said, well, by all means, let's go back to the scene of the accident. Yeah. I called it accident. It wasn't an accident. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was uh, just unfortunate. It's yeah. one. So uh, for the next uh, hour and a half or so, I, uh, I'm driven back. I'm driven back over to the scene of where everything took place, and I walk with several detectives, uh, and I hear helicopters over my head because they called out police helicopters, and they were doing aerial shots. I didn't know what they were doing up there, but I found out later, and wow. uh, and uh, we combed the area, and I showed them where everything happened, walked them through, walked them through everything again, and. And the blanket was there. The wrapper was there that I wiped myself with. The mm. glass. Uh, they took pictures of the trees that I was tied in. They could see where I had been tied around. They could see the bark had been removed. And they could see where I had uh, uprooted things. Where in the first scene of the accident, he basically twisted me like a pretzel and used my head like a basketball against the tree. Mm. And uh, so... All of those things were there, and as I stated earlier, uh, they really came into play when it came to my case yeah. and in helping my case. And uh, 
and with DNA. So anyway, so uh, I spent the next hour and a half, two hours in the woods with several detectives. And and then uh, uh, the detective drove me down to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, uh, I looked through the glass doors and I could see my parents waiting. And of course, my parents came over to me and my mother grabbed me and put her arms around me and my dad uh, was kind of looming over her shoulders and mm. and then they took me in and put me in a room and of course at, at this point uh, you wouldn't know this because you were so young or mm. let's see were you just born 1993 no, I, I, was, <laughs> I was four so okay. everyone knows my age now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, <laughs> So 1993, um, uh, it was uh, crimes against women were were really uh, emerging um, mm. as uh, big subtitles across America. You might say, you know, mm. women more women were starting to speak out. They were becoming uh, uh, a hot ticket item politically in the country. So. Anyway, so I went into this uh, room and, of course, I waited and waited and waited. And it was over an hour before they got to me. And one of the doctors came in and said, we're so sorry, Miss Mills. Uh, we, we had some emergency cases come in here. And, of course, we don't mean to keep you waiting. Well, I said, no problem. But during my wait time, uh, the detective came in the room and he said, Miss Mills, he says, uh, this may make you a bit uncomfortable, he says, but uh, if you wouldn't mind, I said, he said, uh, we would, we need to take pictures of your body because uh, the damage to your body, the cuts, the bruises and everything will be evidence in, in court. And uh, will you allow us to take pictures? And, you know, uh, the thought had run across my mind. I said, well, you know, I'd spent the... Uh, whole day with a strange man and and was naked against my will and then I rode with a strange man from the site of the rape and then a police car all the way to the hospital and now I was voluntarily undressing for a man so that he could take photos of my body right and I thought wow uh it just it 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 just made me think you know about the whole process. So I voluntarily allowed them to take pictures. And uh, then uh, the nurse and the doctor came in and they performed the rape kit, which is a procedure that uh, rape victims go through when they come into a hospital to report a rape. And there are very uncomfortable parts to that, but it's a necessary thing, especially if you are allegedly raped and at that point you're allegedly raped until they prove otherwise. So, so, uh, I, uh, finished doing everything that was necessary at the hospital. Um, I, I was kind of in shock and I wasn't in shock. Uh, uh, I tend to believe I'm, I was in shock. Uh, do you know when you're in shock? I don't think anybody does. Uh, yeah. You know, your uh, shock is something you have no experience with until you go through it. So 
they walked in there, they handed me some pills to take and they said, this is for such and such. And I don't think I comprehended it, but one of the pills was the morning after. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that uh, until I had taken it. And I thought, you know, that dawned on me too, you know, what if I'm pregnant? Mm -hmm. So there were quite a few things running through my mind. And uh, so I, I just didn't digest it all. I even paid for my hospital visit and years later was reimbursed because I said, they said, you weren't supposed to pay for this. And years later, they said, you need to file this. This was a crime against the state. You didn't have to pay for it Mm because I had paid, you know, my deductible and everything. And so I um, got ready to leave the hospital. I had no clothes to leave in because they bagged all my clothes and the police officers took it and including my shoes, socks, everything. I had nothing. And at the time, um, I uh, was ending my relationship. I was cohabitating at the time and, and trying to come back to church. So um, the office had called my ex and uh, they had come to town and, and, uh, so I was leaving the hospital and they gave me a set of hospital greens to leave in or hospital blues, whatever they call them, the mm. scrub suits. And so that's what I left the hospital in. My parents asked me to come home with them again. I said, no, mm. didn't want to go home with them. And, uh, I went with my ex. I said, you know, um, I'll be okay. Everything's okay. I've got meetings tomorrow here in town. I have every intention of staying for my meetings and, and I'm going to go. And, uh, I said, I have dinner tonight with a lawyer here in town, a friend of mine that I had plans to have dinner and I'm going. And everybody was just a little too shocked. Uh, uh, so my ex and I drove over to my friend's house. She was a lawyer here in town and And when I got to the door, she saw me in the hospital greens and a little tattered. And, and, uh, I kind of said, what happened? She goes, you know, they just announced on the five 30 news. Was that you? Was that you? And I said, yeah, that was me. Hmm. Um, because they didn't mention my name. So she says, what can we do for you? What can we do for you? So I said, she says, why don't we draw you a hot bath? And I said, that would be great. So had dinner with my friends and uh, we ordered Chinese and I took a bath, a warm bath, and then went back to my hotel. Wow. And uh, with my ex and uh, got up the next morning, got ready and went to my meetings. Well, I didn't know this, but uh, the big boss had told everybody what had happened to me and they were kind of shocked to see me there. I was, uh, um, I think I was still in shock. I, yeah. Looking back, I know I was still in shock, but I was supposed to address everybody in the meeting that morning. So I did. And I shared with them, I said, you know, I said, uh, um, I know you all have known what, what happened to me last night. And, uh, I said, I would appreciate it if, uh, I, if you have anything to say, or if you want to talk about it, please come talk to me about it. Don't walk by me and chit chat over my shoulder. Uh, Let's not gossip about it. I said, I'll be very open about it. I said, I'm here if you want to talk about it. I said, you know, 
went on with the agenda of the meeting. I said, I'm going to be leaving you all today. I just wanted to be here at the beginning of the meeting, let you all know that I'm, I'm fine and we're going to get through this and blah, blah, blah. Cause I was one of the district managers hmm. and at the time, and I was up for promotion of vice president of sales. So, uh, I addressed them and then left for the police, uh, station. They asked me to come by and help them do a composite of his face. Uh, if they, if I would help them, uh, identify him and then they wanted to tape, uh, what had happened to me, uh, and record it. And so I went to the police station and I spent about four total of four hours there. Hmm. I couldn't get some of his features right on his face and it frustrated me because I was always very detail oriented. And hmm. so we got through that. I left and, uh, went home. And the reason I say that it was one of the greatest days in my life, not because of the rape, because the rape would make it and the threat and the threat of my life in his hands would make it the worst day in my life. The reason it was one of the greatest days of my life was because I told you very little about the conversations we had in the woods when I would de-escalate him when he would escalate. Right. I realized that in some ways I was looking in a mirror at myself. This man, this perpetrator who was committing a, a heinous crime, uh, was just as angry as I was. Hmm. He chose socially unacceptable ways to vent his anger because of naturally he abducted me and he raped me and he told me about things in his life. Hmm. And I was very angry and trying to heal myself, partly, hmm. uh, Part of the reason I was less active in church, part of the reason that I was trying to heal and fast and come back to church because I had been abused as a child. Mm. And all the compassion, all the love that I was unable to give came pouring out on that man in the woods, when I told him he was a son of God and, and talked to him and found out about him, learned about him, shared things with him, it, I had, it opened a door for me. It opened a door for me that I had locked many, many years ago in my, from my childhood. It wasn't that I had forgotten my molestation or my sexual abuse. It wasn't that I had forgotten being re-traumatized over and over. Mm -hmm. It's because I grew up in a generation that wouldn't allow you to talk about it, mm -hmm. that asked you to shelf it, get over it, get past it. Yeah. It happens to everybody. It went, mm -hmm. so un it went so ignored, and every time I would try to talk about it because I was in so much pain, I would get shut down. And I kept pushing it down and pushing it down. And I was a, I was in my thirties when this rape happened. Yeah. And I was so angry during my adult life 
but I chose socially acceptable ways to be angry. So nobody knew I was really angry. They just saw me as successful. They just saw me as having the tiger by the tail. Everything was coming up daisies for me. I had a great profession, making great money, did whatever I wanted, you know, on the table for another promotion, yet failed relationships. I wasn't married, would never get married. Told myself, no, I'd get really close in relationships and I'd have a relationship with the person and I'd have long relationships. But I'd always have one foot in and one foot out Mm. because I couldn't commit and I could only get so close because I didn't let anybody get very close to me. Mm. I locked up my heart because I had been re-traumatized so many times in my life and shut down any time I tried to work through my issues that nobody could get close to me. I wouldn't allow them to because I I just couldn't afford getting hurt again. It was just too painful. Yet cycles would show up in my life. The reason I was so successful is because I was bound and determined not to be dependent on someone. Mm. I could get into a relationship. I could have sex with you, but that's what it was. It was sex. And Mm. I could love you only so much. Right. Because I just couldn't give I couldn't give you what I didn't have. I couldn't give you what I never developed. And I didn't trust you. I trusted you, but yet I didn't trust you. Not enough with my heart. Right. So I never got but so close. And so And that's where we're gonna stop right there. This is a part one of part two episode for all of you. I really hope that you're able to hear her story and be able to connect or have compassion and understanding. She's going to share so much more in the part two that is absolutely amazing and comforting and I feel so much love for her. So I hope you guys can tune in for the next one. Have a great day. Bye guys. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad that you were able to tune in. If you are wanting more content, please check out my website, spirituallyfedblog.com. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and you're able to get my emails. I hope we can connect and become friends. Much love, Bree.